there, welcome. You're listening to Wholehearted, a soul sister conversation. You are here with healer and intuitive Donna Lee Winan, life coach Prue Sulisich, and myself, women's empowerment artist Tanya Marie Reeves. Together we are navigating life on purpose, pushing boundaries, imperfectly and unstoppable. We are here to inspire and encourage you to live fully into your own life to be the compassionate observer of your own thoughts and feelings and to make a conscious choice to change what is in your power to change. We are so happy to have you here. Hey, hello, welcome. (laughs) Welcome to Wholehearted. Good morning. Hello, everyone. Beautiful souls. We've got a lovely treat for you today. It's going to be fun. (laughs) And today we are actually going and diving into the world of Donna Lee Winan. Oh, God, I'm so nervous. Fun, yeah. (laughs) She's got her flowers in her hair and all the sunflowers around. It's beautiful. And so we're going to dive in and interview Donna Lee like she's a guest so you can get to know more about Donna Lee. And I'm actually really excited because even though I'm friends with you, I don't know so much about you. And so... There's I hope lot. you've got lots of questions. Well, you know, <laughs> we might need about oh, six hours. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. This, um, yeah, when I was preparing for this, and I don't know that I'm actually prepared for it, but look, 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 I did lots and lots of preparing. Perfect. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> to those that can't see it, it's, uh, listening to the audio, it was a big cardboard sheet of paper paper <laughs> that was back and front full of notes but yeah, yeah. So we're going to get a lot of Donna Lee today and figure out what makes you tick what you actually do and your yeah your mission in life all that type of stuff so let's get to it so I'm going to read you a little bit about Donna Lee because everyone might be like me and have no idea really like we've been doing this for 12 months we sort of get a, an idea of the type of person you are right now but that doesn't mean people know who you are. So in Donnelly's own words, she says she's been involving her holistic human body work, work intuitive practices for over 35 years, which is a huge amount of time. Donnelly has a wealth of knowledge and experience that is uniquely Donnelly. And I'm just going to put a little amen for that. (laughs) Donnelly's passionate in my faith and belief in humanity, and it's why she does the work. She believes that change happens one person at a time and that she leads that change firstly through herself. Donnelly's business is called Free Spirit Healing. Why? She sees everyone as their own unique version of themselves to be a free spirit. She's seen many people in her time that have little sense of their own spirit. She knows her vision is to remind, rekindle and reignite their belief in them so that they can remember that they do have a sense of themselves and their own self-discovery. She offers sessions for all kinds of work, body work imbalances and intuitive practices. She works holistically on all levels, physically, emotionally, mentally, energetically and spiritually and with the universal energies and cosmic energies within communities, world energies, and not of this world energies. (laughs) That's exciting. And yeah, nothing is out of scope or belief. She works 
in person, online, via Zoom, email, text, and remotely, and believes there are no limits to the powers of human healing. So welcome, Donna Lee. It's really nice to have you on here sharing about yourself because I know you're more about others. You love like diving into other people, but sharing about yourself might be might be a stretch for you. So welcome. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so my first question for you, Donnelly, and I know I've just read that bio, but I would love to hear it right now in your own words. Who are you? Oh, okay. Who am I? I think I'm still discovering who I am and more so consciously doing that now in my life. Maybe we'll come back and do another interview in another six months' time. Amazing. Um, because who I think I am is more that I've been living a life of a healing practitioner. So it's, you'll just have to, you're just going to have to let me process this because I have done a lot of thinking around it, but if I'm going to be really true, I don't actually show who I am because possibly I don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. So I know who I am as a practitioner. I know that that just comes naturally. And I've just been noticing how that is instinctual, that is natural, that is normal, because I've done it for so long. It's just, it's automatic. But to live consciously as myself, I'm discovering that. I'm in the process of discovering that. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're you're saying that there's no definitive answer for who you are. Mm. It's all, mm. we're, and like everybody, we're very fluid and we change and evolve on the daily, basically. And so you're yeah. in that process of, you know, moving through. Are you do you think you're moving through like from being one thing? Because I know you said to me recently about even the body work you do, you're like, I know that's not the thing that I'm I'm meant to do all the time, but it's helping me get to where I need to go. Yeah. And I think part of and 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 I probably will cry. That's just normal for me. Right. <laughs> um you know, this morning, like I've been really nervous and, but not only that, I'm, I'm navigating another chapter of my, what I call the dark night of my soul. And it's not as dark as it was in April. Um, it's a different chapter. So I'm, I'm really consciously living my own evolution. And when you're, when I'm sitting in the driving seat, knowing that cell by cell I'm changing and just having to lean into the change and be gracious to give myself the time to be in that space. I'm always very much about everyone else and not necessarily the time that I give to others I don't necessarily give myself. So I'm discovering what that's like to be with me, to have a relationship with me. It is definitely my topic, self-discovery. Mm. So I'm I'm definitely, without a doubt, that's why it was such a good topic. 
I'm leading my self-discovery by example. Mm -hmm. Do you think that in spending so much of yourself on others, and do you think that's been about avoiding you in some regard? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's because it's a safe place mm-hmm. and and it's a place that I know, you know, like um, no one no one can invade that space, you know, that's, that's where, um, gosh, I hope people don't take this any other way than it's intended, is I know what I'm doing, I'm in control and I don't mean control as in driving a tractor, but I'm, it's what I know. It happens naturally. And and don't worry, this these types of thoughts have been long lingering in my existence of consciousness. You know, I always say to you guys that, you know, I feel like I'm from another planet. Well, I actually do feel like I'm from another planet. But I've I the way that I see that experience is the way the way that I process, the way that I think, the way that I ask questions is I'm constantly gathering information. What I feel like now is that spirit's saying, you have gathered shit tons of information. <laughs> you don't need any more information. Stop and be the information. Let the let yourself be human. And it's not an easy thing to do. Um, just again, just going to have to let me process because I have, I am learning to be in my body. I've been learning to be in my body for a very long time. I've been resisting being in my body. So, you know, I talked about my friends with benefit thing, right? That is part of, that's a part of the being in my body, making choices, and so there's other there's other parts um, relating to some decisions I've made lately about the hockey. It's about being in my body, being making conscious decisions, and leading my life with um, I don't know. I want more joy. I before I die, I want to I want to be happy. I want to be joyful. I don't. I find it really hard to do those things. As much as you probably sitting there going, "Oh my God, she represents that." Well, you know that's a great representation, um, because that that is who that is who I want to be. But I want to live that from my heart space for me. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does I love it? So I just want to give Spirit a fist bump. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've gathered enough information, woman. You've gathered enough. <laughs> yeah, you know enough. You know, yeah, so much. You know, when I first met you, you were all about, I don't know how. How? What? I don't know how, you know, and you've really, I feel like you've moved through that, which is great. Um, And stepping into this, oh, I, knew, I do know how. I want to know. So you said, and in, even in the bio, it's like 35 years you've been doing this type of stuff. So that takes you to 25 Tell me the Donna Lee before 25. What was going on? Where, where are you from? Tell us about that part of your life. Okay. So born in Crown Street Women's Hospital in Sydney. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of my young life I don't remember. Um, grew up in Currajong, 
um, just at the base of the Blue Mountains. And it was, you know, I look back and I have just been the most awesomely naive human being my whole life. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. um, I'm the eldest of five. Um, mum and mum had me when she was 17. They got married, I think, a month before I was due. And, you know, looking back, you know, that was all like as it was back in those days. You got pregnant, you got married. And my mum was madly in love with her her husband and not necessarily was my dad but possibly madly in love with my mum. But anyway, it was what it was back then. And, yeah, when I – life was life was hard. Mm-hmm. maybe why I don't have a lot of memories. So I was the eldest of five and I started looking after my brothers and sisters when I was probably about four and um, continued to look after them growing up. Mum and dad, both of them slept around a lot. You know, they were young. They were 17 and 18 when they got married and, yeah, it was a, it was – and dad was a hard – Dad was a hard person. He has a a European background. He's one of eight. Um, he's the baby of eight. They moved over here when he was six on the ship, came to Australia. But, yeah, you know, he had his own insecurities, I guess, like we all have, but really, 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 really intense. My dad was a bit of a, um, what do you call it, changed on the full moon. But, anyway, you know, growing up, like we had, we had a good life. He got, he he was good to us. We had amazing holidays. I can remember our holidays, but I can also see along the way how you get shaped by your family. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's I can there's all I have this vivid memory of when my mum started. She had she looked after us, took us on, and was looking after us when they separated. And they were always back and forth in their own mess of life. And um, I can just remember standing at the workshop door. This always is such a such a terrible memory. She didn't have any money to buy food and she used to have to stand at the workshop door and wait for him to write her a cheque to give her money to buy food, but he would make her wait and we would just have to wait. And I just used to think back how much that must have damaged her pride, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, there's, yeah, and that's probably why I don't, I don't remember, you know, I remember not having a school uniform. I remember, look, you know, looking after ourselves. I learned how to cook at a young age because they weren't there. And, um, yeah, it was an interesting life. But, you know, I'm focusing on that and it's, it's not about that because there's lots of really good stuff that's come oh, out right. of it. Yeah. 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 yeah, so it's important to hear this part of your story and for you to share it because we are shaped by our environment, you know, to some degree. And yeah, I'm sure there's lots of silver linings out of it as well, you know. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. um, yeah, thank you for sharing because this is it gives you an understanding. I'm curious to know where was your father from? What European country? Um, he was from Holland, Rotterdam. Holland. Ah, yeah, there you yeah. go. Yes, I came over on the boat six years of age. Um, 
and he had, you know, like they lived through the wartime. I can mm-hmm. remember him telling me the story about um, John and Johan, who were his older brothers, and how um, his parents had hidden, um, I think it was Johan, in the cellar under the ground so the Germans wouldn't come and get them and take them to war. So they there was just stories, you know, and he was only, only young, as you said, you know, six. Mm-hmm. Those times were... That's why they um, came to Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, very different. But you know, going on from that, what I what I take from all of that is, um, I've I've always been independent, and mm. you know, I'm looking at high school now, just thinking about going to high school, and how I was in the lower grades at high school. I can remember in year seven and year eight being in what they called seven, seven and eight, seven. And I, and please, please don't take me wrongly, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to stay there. People, those people at that time didn't want to grow. They were being, you know, disruptive and God knows their families were, you know, probably yeah. a mess as well. And I can remember making this decision through probably the late year seven and when I was in eight, seven, thinking I am not going to be staying here. And I remember working really hard educational-wise and I got into nine, four, which was upper stream, you had midstream and then lower stream. Mm -hmm. And then just having that determination just to keep, you know, educating myself. I'm the only one in my family that ever got the HSC and that was one of my driving goals is that my mum never got a, a HSC. Mum was the ducks of her um, high school years, but she had to leave school because mum was born illegitimate in the in a time they weren't married and her mum married someone else and had four children. So my mum worked in her fish and chip shop she, at the age of 14, never got to finish school. And so there was, you know, there was these patterns that I noticed. And that's that's actually part of why I'm where I am is I was determined, even back then, that I wasn't going to repeat those patterns. So mum didn't get a HSC, I got my HSC. Yeah. And then, you know, finished school, like this driving force around being educated. So when I did my massage diploma in 1988, the whole driving force was that I'd failed my HSC because back in those days it was out a score of 500 and I scored 223. So I can still remember, even though though it was all um, aggregated, not the way it is now, but it was aggregated, I just saw that as an epic fail. Mm. So even even in the aggregation, it might have sat average, but I just saw it as an epic fail. So um, I'd um, decided that, you know, I wanted to get some kind of further education. I wanted to be a home science teacher. God knows. Maybe I wanted to be a home, home science teacher because I was good at it. And, um, <laughs> and I had really good teachers, you know. I remember, I remember Mrs. Vulcan and Mrs. Edwards. And there was in my in my life at school, School was my family. I made it my family. That was my safe place. Mm-hmm. So I, I was no different, I realise now, than I am now. I shone out back then. You know, I used to go and do cross-country training at recess and lunchtime. I was involved in all sport. I've, I found ways to feed my soul because 
I didn't have that support. Like I have seriously lacked support my whole life. I've been my whole, my support. I played hockey for 16 years and I think my, I think my mum may have watched one game in the whole time. So you are, you know, when I think about hockey, I often cry when I think about hockey because I came across it when I was about 12 and I had to find my own way, you know, 35 kilometres away. So I just thank all those families that, you know, chucked you in their car and, you know, it gave, again, it gave me a place to feel part of something. Amazing. Yeah. The whole, yeah, the determination and this that, that yeah. saying that where there's a will, there's a way. Such a Donnelly. Because most, <laughs> most people do just fall into the patterns. Mm. It's you know, it's it's a rare rare person who from such an early age is already pushing against the tides. And you often say that you're only just learning about yourself now, but what I hear is that you have been on this journey from the very beginning, pushing the boundaries, pushing yourself to do better, to learn. Like that's pretty incredible considering the life that that you had when you were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You adversity. Know. Yeah. Adversity. Yeah. Like goes either there's two ways right you can either really fall into the same as your parents in the environment that you're up up in or you can choose and by the sounds of it you chose at a really young age like four years old you're looking after your siblings already and you're like right I'm gonna learn I'm gonna learn how to do this and I'm gonna do this yeah I have to you're still getting yourself to hockey this is the most hilarious thing so funny I know I just have to I've got to share this is a great this is a great memory right and 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 consciously I taught myself how to cook because my mum was working as a barmaid and so you can imagine those hours were pretty tough hours and my and my mum was my mum was seeking support and love. Like, so I totally, I've always totally understood her, you know, vivacious ways, you know, and and also how, oh, it's amazing how I'll come back to her death. But anyway, so I've got to go back to this because this is so cool. It's so weird. <laughs> to learn how to use the cake mixer and cook meals for my four brothers and sisters. Like, so I would have been, oh, there's eight years between Daryl and I. So I would have been eight and he would have been a newborn. So I can still remember babysitting him at six weeks old and ringing my parents at the North Richmond ex-servicemen's club. So I used to have to ring them at 11 o'clock at night to tell them how the children were. And I can remember earning 40 cents so these are great memories. <laughs> Earning 40 cents and saving up to $9.40 to be able to buy my own sewing basket for sewing classes at primary school. Like I have there is so much really great stuff that that I can call on. Mrs. Mm-hmm. McEwen, you saved my life. She taught me how Shout to sew. Shout out to Mrs. McEwen. <laughs> yeah, I know Mrs. McEwen. She's like 80 something very, you know, anyway. Yeah. But Anyway, so back to this cooking episode because it's so funny. So cooking this cake, 
And I had really long hair, like down to my bum. So you can imagine eight years old. And I never, ever wore a hairnet because you didn't learn that until you went to high school. And I remember flicking and my hair got caught in the beaters. Oh, shit. It's like the worst nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) And mum's not there because mum's at work. Anyway, so here I am. I can still remember my hair is wrapped around beaters of the cake mix. And I've had to tell my sister to go up the road to go and get um, Mrs. Stafford, um, cause it, these, these are the kids we played with. Anyway, I can remember them coming down. I go, please don't cut my hair. Please don't cut my hair. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Spend time getting it out. Yes. Did you say it Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just, just <laughs> one of those hilarious. like vivid memories, you know, just being in the kitchen. Oh my God. Another, like, this is crazy. When I got my periods, you can remember my mum giving, you know, giving me the talk, God knows what friggin' age I got the talk. It was pretty late in life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember, and I remember when it all happened now in my day, you're going to pee yourself laughing. You used to have to wear those elastic belts and you'd thread your pad through the little belt at the front and the little belt at the back. And I can remember thinking, this is so unfair. This yeah. is <laughs> so unfair. So it was really, really great when, you know, you could go and make your own decisions and I got a part-time job and I could buy my own pads and then finally learn how to use a tampon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh God, yeah. yeah, cool. So so you left school and you went on to do a massage course? Um, yeah, that didn't happen straight away. I had lots of part-time jobs, so I had to stand on my own two feet I can remember when my mum told me that she couldn't afford the rent on our unit anymore and I'd have to work, I'd have to find my own accommodation. And I was with a, a partner at that time. So I, you know, no brainer. What is it? 18, 19, 20, whatever, moving with them. And that was one of, that's actually one of those intuitive um, cases where, you know, I shouldn't have been in that relationship, but I was there because I needed somewhere to live. Mm. So, um yeah, so I was working five jobs, paying off my car, and my girlfriend, Judy McEwen, who's no longer with us, she's one of my lifelong friends, um, she had been doing a massage course and she needed um, people to um, experiment on. And we were very, very close growing up. And so I went, okay, beauty, I'm going to go and have a massage. Anyway, and I've always been, I'm European, so I like I like to be naked, okay? So if I go anywhere near water, I like to be naked. It makes sense now. It makes sense now that <laughs> I know this. <laughs> so I had a massage and I was naked because she was of a similar similar thinking. And this is what got me into massage. It was the bum massage. Oh I never, ever, I just went, oh, my God, this is amazing. This This is incredible. If you've never had a bum massage, Please, please have one. They're it's really the cool. Best. It's the best. Yeah. So it was from that. And I asked her about the course she was doing because she was finishing up. And so I decided to go and enroll in that course. In the meantime, I'd moved to, I'd gone to Whitecliffs. I'd left an ex-fiance, the one that I was staying with. He'd asked me to marry him. I'd said yes. God knows, even at the time that I said yes, I knew I should have been saying no. Mm-hmm. And so um I travelled from Ipswich out to Whitecliffs because that's the only place I had to go. I didn't have a home to go to. 
and stayed with my dad for six weeks and, you know, rebounded, met my next partner who was 19 years older than me. I moved back to Sydney after that trip, worked for my mum, had the jobs, da-da-da-da-da, and I was doing my massage course. So the driving force was getting a diploma. That was, there was no probably real connection that this was a meant path. Mm -hmm. I wanted DIP Mm -hmm. and I was getting two DIPs. And so Mm -hmm. that meant that I was worth something. My HSC, I wasn't, I was worth something. If I had a piece of paper, I was going to be worth something. So that was the driving force. But little did I know that that was, you know, a destined path. So I worked in the health food shop. I was making alternative pies, helping in the clinic of the osteopathic clinic, working at a Chinese restaurant, at a pub, and doing part-time study as well. But, you know, I look back and, and this is back in Sydney like, when you yeah, were? Yeah, when I was 25. Okay. So yeah. 25 I moved, I'd finished my diploma. Mm-hmm. So I stuck that out, moved back, moved to Whitecliffs, and then I went back to do my final exams and got my bits of paper and then started 25 years at Whitecliffs. Wow. At 25. Yeah, I never (laughs) knew that, the the backstory of how you ended up in Whitecliffs, but your dad was there. Yeah, and we visited Whitecliffs when I was 10. So we went on a family holiday all in the back of a panel van, no seatbelts, all five kids, Mm -hmm. on a caravan, and Dad, I don't know, Dad came across Whitecliffs. It wasn't what it is today, but um, it's one of those times that I remember Family has always been very important. Mm-hmm. And so my family's falling apart has has always been my driving force around wanting to keep family together. So that was part of the reason, you know, I stayed 25 years in a domestic violence relationship that I should have left when I had Mitchell. So this, you know, there was this drive around what family meant to me and family meant that you stick together through every, you know, everything. Mm. And then, you know, eventually realised that that was because, you you know, that's part of the beliefs of society. It's part of, you know, what you think is real. And I think my sister did the same thing. But, you know, eventually, you know, I made the best of it, Made, made the best of what there was there and I know that from my children that if I didn't have them, and I guess that's why I miss Mitchell so much, we spent a lot of time together. You know, we did everything, even when my partner my partner had his own set of problems. Like it was a very much I raised the children on my own in a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Which anyway. I'm sure plenty of women can resonate with this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you had your business there as well. You were still doing massage, weren't you? Yeah, so we had a a tourism business. We had a fantastic tourism business. We made our own jewellery, opal jewellery, mined our own opal. But with my um, massage diploma, I probably, I started out a little bit because you're like, you're 25, crikeys. And back then, massage was considered sex, you know. It It was a way to get 
you know, happy ending. And, you know, so my posters used to say, like I used to, you can imagine, I would have all these great details about there's 201 bones in the body and there's 477 muscles and and at the bottom of my poster I'd have, and sorry, fellas, no funny business. Yeah, no happy endings. <laughs> That's right. So then what happened is over just before Mitchell died, I really started to think about how I was going to utilise my skills to get me out of there and and it you know it took me a good five years to do that but it was like that was starting this has always been mine and so I protected it greatly like it was never easy having clients come to our home I used to not have doors on my massage clinic and so I'd have a shower curtain. And so eventually I saved up $800 and I got doors on my clinic. And so I was, I constantly was working this for myself, even though, even though you have no idea how hard, how hard it was and how I would just hold space so that I could just keep doing what I did. And then when Mitchell died, um, you know, I was on the verge of leaving. I don't actually know if I would have left, but, you know, I was waiting for him to finish his HSC. And again, you know, just holding it all together. It's part of the reason I wanted him to go to boarding school because I didn't want him to be in that environment. And um, I wanted him to have a life separate from the pain and suffering. And he's he certainly did. He certainly had a good time. So um, then I stayed another four years because, you know, you have all that survivor guilt stuff and and then it just got way too much. But in that time I listened to, I might have been listening to some kind of podcast or reading something back then. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know that podcasts were around. But I remember someone saying to me that they saved up money and they were in a domestic violence situation and she used to hide her money in a glass jar in the backyard and she saved $14,000. So this was about 15 years ago. And so I had a little idea because back then I used to save a 10% of my earnings and I would give that to charity. So then I thought, I'm the charity. <laughs> so, so then I started saving. So it took me five years. I saved a lot of money. And I used to take it to my neighbor's house and hide it in envelopes and I would have it in $100 notes and I would just get the $100 notes and every time I got another $1,000, I'd stash it away. So I I worked out how I was going to get out because there was always these questions around, you know, how are you going to survive? But I want to say that that's okay. You know, I saved, I got into five figures. So cool. I saved five figures and but then I had to look at going, I kept just wanting to save more and more. And I had to then eventually go like, cause there's some kind of habit in that as well, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then circumstances, there was some circumstances were pretty tough in lots of areas. And eventually, I mean, I left once and then come back, but I didn't actually get to leave, leave. And then on the second time, Raya was away at boarding school and that was one of, not boarding school, she was in Broken Hill. Um, and get, and getting her out of the family home was another important part because she's extremely empathic and, and she wasn't doing very well doing, um, 
the Dubbo Distance Ebb. We did that the year that Mitchell died. But I could see the social interaction was um, really important. I really believe teenagers, no matter what, they need to be with them with teenagers because they talk all about that stuff that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. So that was great because I used to, she would feel that things weren't great at home. So I was able to kind of shield and get myself sorted because there was, you know, there was some physical violence. I can remember I had the keys to the CWA rooms. I used to go and hide there. And eventually, eventually I got the courage. It's really hard. It's really hard to leave those mm-hmm. situations because it's a cycle. You know, you go you go through happy, shitty absolutely awful, dreadful. And then, you know, part of what I would do is I would have sex just to get the cycle to be nice again. Yeah. And, you know, I can remember laying in bed many, many, many times going, you know, don't, it wasn't rape, but it felt like rape, you know. And so it was that, that was when I started to really look at, okay, what am I doing? This is not healthy. And if I look back, there were, I really, really aged immensely. When I was 50, I probably looked like I was 60. So there were just circumstances and eventually it came and I had the courage and it's, you know, I've been in that situation before, but this time, because I had a bit of a plan, I had the money, I knew what I was going to take. I knew if I knew it would be fire and brimstone. So my first thing to pack, guess what, was the massage table. (laughs) It was the first thing. Yeah. I knew like nothing I, else. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. I'd been packing things for a while and I'd been um stashing things at my friend's house for a while. I was just getting things that I could start off with. And then very, very luckily, the lady that where I stashed stuff, she had a house in Broken Hill. And so I hid out there for a couple of weeks while I looked for a rental property and surprised the heck out of my daughter. She never knew. Like I'd been talking about it for a long time. So there's that too, you know, that used to, I look back, that used to influence Raya. I'd be talking about it and it really took me probably a good three years to finally break free. And, um, yeah, so this is where I am now. What? what where did the intuitive part of your work come in? Was was that something that was, um, you know, invited by your circumstances or was it in you already? I'm going to go back to, so I had a clinic at Whitecliffs. I had a room in the dugout, which was sacred space. And um, I came to Broken Hill, had a reading, and the lady said to me, um, you you need to go and do Reiki. I know a lady that's doing Reiki because I used to always see colours when I was working, like doing the body work. There was, there was this intuitive thing happening, but I had no bloody idea what it was. I just went with it. <laughs> just the same as I go with it now. I just go with it. And um, so then I did Reiki. So I'd travel in on the bus on a day trip. And um, so I did a lot of those energy healings by utilising the um, bus service that we had once a month. Um so, yeah, it just grew and I had the lady that stored my stuff. She, I asked her if she'd be my practice client and I can remember her saying to me, she said, oh, the Lord Jesus does Reiki. I never never knew that. She said, I would love to be your guinea pig. So I had a handful of people that I was able to practice on, which was great because they were alternative thinkers too, and that's where my visionary start 
my stuff started, it was really, really profound. Like there was, there were things that came through visionarily that were, I related to my ladies, one in particular, and I, and I know those visions so vividly now, they've never left me. Um, and then she would come, she, and it was, I learned how that people need to process. And then she would come back to me and go, Donnelly, you've got, that is so profound. That's my mom. That's my dad. That's my father. And so it was through that safe space that I got to learn to trust and, um, I can I can see so many things that happened in that space. I created that safe space, and so spirit just I gather I gather I just went with it. I've always just been, I've just just gone with it. I don't believe anything's impossible. You know, I've had some really big stuff come through early on that people would have locked you away for in an asylum, but I just never disbelieved it. Really, like what? Oh, okay. You want some examples? Okay. Okay. So one of my, one of my ladies, very good friend, I can say her name, Jenny Hoskins. She was such a great client and friend. She would always go to shopping centers and pick up external energies. And we used to make a bit of a joke about it. So she would come home and she'd go, oh, I think I've got an external energy. So this one in particular, I can remember there's two actually is I was working on her head and I got a vision of a man going upside down through a basketball net, basketball ring, and landing on his head. So that sounds pretty huge, right? But I I knew it would get my attention. So they yeah. would get my attention. And so I'd go, okay, you've got my attention. <laughs> Whew, this is big. And what happened is he showed me a burning fire. He was holding his son in his arms and they had died in a car accident. And he was responsible for their death. So there was a lot of a lot of spirit looking for ways to heal on the other side because it's not just all hunky-dory. Um, so that was massive. And it was interesting because I was working on the woman's neck. So, you know, going upside down through a basketball ring, that's going to get your attention. Um, the other really, really strong one, which helped me to understand that healing happens cosmically. And same lady, she picked up someone from a supermarket. We used to joke about that. And so what would happen is her symptoms would lead to a piece of information. So we'd be working with her body, but there would we would work, I would sense that there was another energy there. So this energy was a girl that had been murdered. So I'm just going to go to this whole story. She'd been buried in a swamp and she'd never been found. She was never going to be found. And what came out of that as it progressed was that I saw the cells and I saw the cells that were in Jenny and that we're all connected, that DNA is a part of part of all of us in each of us. And so Jenny's physical body was able to transmute a message and we found her. And so the fact that I'd found her, didn't know, I can't tell you the place, but I'd found her. She was so buried 
in the depths of darkness that we brought light to her and we were able to set her soul free. You know, her body may never be found, mm. but it was. So they were, that. this is in my early days. Yeah. I've got a whole book, a whole book <laughs> where I, I um, recorded these healings and, um, you know, I can remember when Jesus came. I didn't know this man was eventually going to die, but I remember when Jesus came this day, I remember having my hands on this man's legs standing like this and I could feel Jesus arrive because it's like, you know, I don't know, he only comes to good people. (laughs) And I remember my eyes are shut and I just went, what are you doing here? <laughs> and he said, why wouldn't I be here? And I can, like that whole self-worth thing. I've got, I've got pictures of though. I drew about those pictures. So, you know, I was, I was really supported in my early years of just trusting. So, and then it just became more and more natural. You know, I do cards with people or people would sit down and I'd pick up stuff and I just went with it because, mm-hmm. There wasn't, and you learn, they learn, they teach you how to lean into it. I learned how to work it out. So in my early stages, I would say I had to deal with spirit when this first started. Mm-hmm. I said, righto, if you tell me three times, I promise no matter how weird it is, I will tell the client. So yeah. I got used to the feeling of when it would come up. So basketball ring, right? Mm-hmm. went, holy shit, Okay. And what would I do is I'd just get back to the healing because I just learned to trust it. And then, you know, I'd be doing my stuff and then they would check it again. Mm-hmm. So I learned pretty quickly that by the time the second time came, you weren't going to avoid it. So you might as well just get it done. And you yeah. built the muscle, I guess, from from that very first Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, t- I'm talking like they're telling me, tell the story about the leprechaun dancing on your chest, on the lady's chest. So these... So this, like this stuff happens, but these are the things I remember. Oh, God, and the musk cigarettes. I remember that one as well. So this lady, like I could see this leprechaun dance. I'm working on her neck and I could see this leprechaun dancing on her chest and I'm thinking, fuck, I am not going to say that. <laughs> fuck off. What are you doing here? <laughs> I am not fucking saying that. I don't care what you say. Oh, no. Well, I tell you what, when they get their way. So then they showed me, they showed me the Irish swords and the leprechaun was doing Irish dancing on her chest. And I'm going, fuck, I'm still not telling them that. (laughs) Make it easy for me, for God's sake. Oh, my God. Anyway, so I, like, the third time came, you know, I have an agreement. And so I said, this is going to sound really weird, you know, like I could imagine her getting off the table and running out the door. She didn't say anything and I was saying, okay, all right, we'll just go with it. And then after her healing, she said to me, I learned Irish dancing when I was a child and I've always wanted to do it again. Um, so you don't know. You, you don't, don't know, know how they bring the messages. That's it. That's it. You're yeah. not allowed to judge the messages, Donald. Like no. <laughs> no. This reminds me um, of another story that you told me recently and it's probably something a lot of people don't know about you is that you don't only work on people no and um you've you do house clearings and and things like that um and you've done one quite recently a house clearing yep yeah so tell us a little bit more about that um yeah so 
I've I've been called to do house clearings. Um, I can think of there's lots of you can, you can just do a normal house clearing. There's been places where there are, are spirits that aren't good. Oh gosh, I just thought of the poltergeist story a long time ago. So in my experiences, I've had to learn that there is light and dark. That there is I'm going to say I'm going to say good and bad, even though you know. Yeah. But there's dark and light. And there's very, very dark. There is not of this earth dark. So I've had to learn where my boundaries are with that stuff and how I, if I'm going to go into one of those situations, how how I call my guides with me. I don't do any of that stuff without the support of my guides and the universe. But it's not always like that. Sometimes there's, you know, I went to one recently where there was a spirit in a house being there for a very long time. It's no different to working with someone on the table because you can't just make a spirit leave a house. Sometimes they don't want to leave a house. Sometimes they're not bad, you know. Sometimes they've lived there for so long that they they don't want to cross over. So, yeah, there's lots of different kinds of circumstances. You know, it's no different to cleansing your own home every day. Like, you know, at least once a week, I mean, you know, when you feel that, you know, energies in your own home don't feel so clean or when we open our windows or our doors and we let air flow through. Um, Yeah. So yeah. And do intuitive card readings, done healings via Zoom. Look, it's not, there's no limit. I don't believe. And if I don't know how to do it, I refer. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't have all the answers. So tell us a little bit about orthobionomy, how that came into your life. Yeah, at Whitecliffs. <laughs> um, so I've always been closely aligned with osteopathy. So when I was young, I had some body body pain and went to a physiotherapist and it wasn't, I just knew that it wasn't right, didn't work for me. So I found um, my English teacher was an osteopath and these were the people that I ended up working for. So it was because of that I really resonated with osteopathy is the the workings of bones and muscles. We're not a separate unit. So when I worked went to Whitecliffs, I had that knowledge and time that I'd spent with these osteopaths. So my massage course was just a normal remedial massage course. And I was curious around how else we could do stuff. So that's that first part. And then over the years, I just wanted to learn more about body stuff. So that was the Reiki, Karinaki, Seishem, all the energy stuff. And then I hit a point in my life, I reckon it would be It's got to be about 13, 14 years ago where I started to doubt my skills. You know, I'd lived at Whitecliffs. There was no training, you know, just keeping up to date with stuff. It was great. I had all this wealth of experience. I've I've learned a lot by being with the body and figuring it out and didn't even know I was figuring it out. Mm. So a woman had visited Whitecliffs and she was at a party and um, someone had told me, told her about me. So she came and offered me a swap, which is like unheard of. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so she said, oh, I've, I've just been away learning um, this body work called orthobionomy. So she did a session on me, taught me a couple of things. I uh, took a photo of the book, bought the book, 
taught myself out of the book for 12 months and then decided, you know, I needed to go away and really give this a go, see what it was about. And so that was in 2011, I think. So that was also part of my really starting to take charge of my life in respect to my study because my partner hated every time I went away because he didn't he didn't like the independence. So it was like the hockey goal. I went to one class, two classes in Newcastle, drove all the way, had the most horrific leaving, um, you know, probably cried all the way for the first 100 kilometres. And, um, and I can remember meeting Norma Weaver in the kitchen. I didn't know it was Norma Weaver then. And they had this book. And so I was looking at this book around all these things that you could learn. So part of me was going, I've got a reason to go and do some more study. So it was from there that I decided there's nothing better than a checklist. (laughs) (laughs) I like a goal. So I then Absolutely you do. You're like. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. But I didn't know any of those connections until much later. So, yeah, I guess that's listening to your intuition. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh my God, this has been, I'm just in awe of <laughs> what you've achieved and the adversity that you've gone through to achieve it. Like I'm just thinking of that younger, your younger life, how hard it was, and then the first 25 years of your, you know, from 25 years onwards, what that was like and, you know, losing your son in the midst of that as well and, Oh my God, this pure determination that is in you. If we could bottle this, <laughs> we would be millionaires um, and the, the world would be a better place. I just, yeah, the self discovery. I've, I've got I'm this. I, I need to, yeah, I need to say, I need to say, just listening to all this because I've known you for a couple of years now and I've not known any of this. And even just listening to those stories of, you know, the leprechaun and, Jesus and all that stuff. Like, I love that. That is so good. You, I know you want to write a book and I know they're going to be in it one day and it's definitely something that you need to do. But I feel like you're holding back on us. Okay. In what way? <laughs> there's, there's all this bullshit that you're only just learning about yourself these last yeah. couple of years. That's not true. <laughs> oh, my God. You have been on the road man from the very beginning you've been stood out doing what the people aren't doing yeah I think I I understand your question and that's where I'm at yeah 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 it it is like when you said spirit is like you know enough yes yes that's like I couldn't say that with more absoluteness if I could (laughs) Yeah, well, that's profound because i that's the first time I've said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and, it, and it's interesting, you know, the all the obstacles and stuff that have gotten in your way, oh, no, that have presented you in life and you've experienced has never actually dulled who you are. I think you've known, you know, you've come and you, you say that you're not, you know, I don't even know what you say about not being from this earth. And, yeah, you've come into that and your soul is just getting through this process and you're actually, it's such a, anyone listening to this, you know, should be inspired about how to achieve shit 
even through the the toughest of times. You know, there's so much more that I wanted to dive into, even just about, you know, that your partnership with your kid's dad, that type of stuff. And I, you know, maybe that will come in another episode because I know that will be so helpful to so many women or people out there living in any sort of domestic violence situation. And, but you've just, you've, you've literally achieved everything that you've wanted to achieve. And you've, you have this pure knowing about yourself that, yeah, I'm just, I'm shocked. I'm not shocked because I like, I absolutely love you and I think you're magnificent, but I have, I felt I'm sitting here going, this woman's holding back. I don't know <laughs> at all. <laughs> so yes, you're not, I'm, you're not just learning about yourself now. You're on a new path of learning, I think. Yeah. yeah. That, that's the difference. Yeah. I think what you're, and these girls will get it out of me anyway, this, I have felt for a very long time that I'm, that I hold myself back and, 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 and that's okay. That's, that's an okay thing. Cause I'm, I'm very much around meeting people where they're at and supporting them, but I'm not also, because I am already out there, right. I'm already out there. Like, um, it's, it's hard it's hard to be more out there and not have an effect that makes someone feel less than do you get me because it's it's it, yeah there'll be people that'll listen to this don't get me wrong that are going to think the sun the sun shines out of my ass well this is my favorite topic right i say to my clients my the sun does not shine out of my ass it shines out of the sky I'm just, I am here. I know I'm a beacon. What I'm learning is to live being a beacon mm-hmm. without having collateral damage mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm, I can, I can, I'm not saying a hurricane. It's, there's a massive amount of energy here. So I manage that and I'm learning how how to be best that and not be, I have been so practicing my ego for so long. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, we've talked about this before. We've talked about that um, lean, it's the leaning into it. It's like, okay, writing that book. Like I'm in the process right now of writing a chapter for a book and I'm so stuck and that's why I'm, but not stuck. Like that's why I was awake last night thinking, uh, like it's giving myself permission, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, definitely. You're definitely leaning more into your learnings. Mm. Probably, I guess, feeling to you like you you're leaning into it more than you felt you ever have been before. Mm. And I can I can remember when I like because I've known you for many years, but I've only really we only became really good friends a, a few years ago, and it's it's funny actually because. Um, that's the same the same year around the very same time really when we started spending a lot of time together and then COVID come in um, that is the same time the very same time that I reconnected with Prue yes yeah Um, yeah the exact same time Um, but I can remember saying to Prue because um, those those people who who know you, um, especially in Broken Hill, you're very out there, and you're loud, and you're happy, and you're singing your song, and you've 
got your tinsel on your car and you've got your tinsel on your toes, like literally, guys, she wears tinsel on. <laughs> um, and you've got this energy, you've always had this energy about you that's all always been really out there. Um, but when I started to get to know you, I like I can remember saying to Prue, I'm it surprised me how vulnerable you really are, how that part of you seems to be some kind of a a cover. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, and that that did really surprise me at the time. But like now hearing you say that you're learning, really learning to be you more than you ever have before, I can I can now see that vulnerability coming out into like it's like you like that costume that you were putting out in front of you so people didn't really see the real you you're actually getting inside of it yeah because that is it is a part of you but it's like you're feeling it you're starting to really fill it up Mm. it's really beautiful Sorry, I've I've just, and the other thing that I've been thinking about, it's so, it's like making your own quilt at the moment Mm -hmm. is to be, yeah, to be on here and we've got this podcast happening. I appreciate people, I wait for people to ask or I can, and so if, and it's not that I'm saying, don't take this the wrong way. This is how I this is how I am. You may not realize that I'm I would just love one text that says, How are you? without replying to giving it to me this way. And, and I've just been noticing how I require nourishment. And I'm not gonna go and ask for it. But there's also a part in learning if people don't know a bit more about you, then how do they know? And that's what I'm really good at. I'm really good at finding out about you because that's that's my that's my um, superpower. Yeah, but then there is, on the other hand, like which you yourself have said before, people don't know if, if you don't ask. That's right. Yeah. 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 So you know, it's part of that why I believe in humanity because I see those little intricate parts or, you know, you might just ask, ask the question at, at the right time. I don't know. It's, it's all a learning experience, but people, people require support even if they don't think they have it or if you don't think they need it. We've become very insular around how we look after each other, even community-wise, even country-wise. But I don't focus on that because I focus on what, I, what I'm what i doing is what counts. And now it's, you know, the last few years since 2020, it's it's been an internalisation. And, you know, some, something was said in my healing the other day around because they said, oh, my God, you are so sad. <laughs> and I'm like going, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Look at my tinsel. Yeah, that's right. And it and it was and it was only in the last couple of days. It's hence why I didn't get to go to hockey. You know, there's a, a bigger reason. And so this is it was really interesting 
And I'm going, yeah, okay, that's very true. But I didn't realise that I was. And so I've just been relating to what that means to me. And a, and a huge part of it is obviously connected to Mitch. But Mitch had a very powerful message to deliver. And so I'm just processing that message at the moment. And one day we'll talk about twin flames. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, put that on the, the running sheet. <laughs> Mm. conversation jeez yeah so oh in the in the future so you know you're going through all the learning about yourself and you're not the knowing and you know being led through whatever you're going through right now this second dark shadow what did you call it dark night of the soul dark night of the soul what do you expect on the other side oof well I ex- I'm no, there's no expectation. Mm-hmm. I'm traveling. I know enough by the first chapter that when you sit with something, that there is light, if you want to call it light. It's not all about light, but I, but I can sense that there is a uh, look, awakening's not the word. I'm just going the process at the moment. So mm-hmm. this morning when I was laying in bed, didn't go to the gym. I was thinking, okay, this feels like the last time, but it's a little bit different and that's okay. This is another chapter in you living the experience of change. Now, not not everybody is going to live it with this much um, connection, but I also know that the connection helps me to help others. Mm. What I'm learning is how much of that do I empathetically want to dive into within myself? Mm. Because so, so I'm very good at really leaning in. But over the last six months, I've made some choices when I've been really deep and gone, okay, you've explored enough of this. Is this going to resolve anything? Mm. No. Yeah. So I'm making choice around what I'm doing with that and what I'm taking from that and what I'm allowing to unfold. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I, I can't control everything. And I and I have been a control freak. I can say that. And I still like aspects of control because, you know, there's things we can control in our life and there's things that are out of our control. And when you let go of what's out of your control, you then can control what you can. You know, mm-hmm. you can make your decisions. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, does that answer your question? Yeah. And what, like, what else? So even in, in terms of your business, can you hear that? Sorry. No? Okay, great. I'll keep talking. So in terms of your business, what would you like to be doing in the future? Like at the moment you're in clinic and, you know, you're seeing people one-on-one and, you're connecting with people that way and helping that way, what would you like to see in your future? I will be talking on stage. Yes. Yeah, you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So that's that's a no-brainer. I've wanted to do that for a long time. Mm-hmm. But I want to be able to bring what I know to more people. Great. Yeah, and we're doing that. We're doing that here. We've been, yeah. you know, being being invited into this conversation twelve, 
over 12 months ago. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. I remember sitting there going, you know, what have I got to offer? Why have they asked me? And I've, and I've lent into your faith without you even realizing I've just, even when those questions have come up, I've gone, they wouldn't want me here. They see something that I don't see. So. And look what people get when they come to you. Like, hmm. All this knowledge, all this knowledge, all this learning, you know, you've got your you got your massage and your autobionomy and your your Reiki and then you've got your intuitivity on top of that, like and and then all your experience. Yeah. Like Yeah, spirit is unique and a unique combination of work when people actually come to you. They're not just getting a massage or they're not just having orthobionomy. They're like there's this entire experience being in your clinic. I know. Like (laughs) I've been there. As has proved. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. Um yeah, it's it's pretty amazing, Donnelly. Pretty damn amazing. So, you know, that's being able to share that. Just let me tune in. There is nothing, and Prue would relate to this, Tanya would relate to this in her artwork. There is nothing more satisfying than seeing someone realise that they have the essence of their soul within them and that they can tap into their answers That. That is what's changed in my work over the years is going, meeting them where they're at. Sometimes I've got to meet them and support them. Sometimes Mm. I've got to give them a good kick in the ass. Sometimes Mm. I've got to tell them to get their shit together. And sometimes you've just got to have patience and put plasticine around them until they're ready to move. And then there's also others that don't. But when you see and feel that in someone, oh, my God, it's every single day. Yeah. Amazing. When you when you help them awaken to their knowing, that's that's what our job is, people. Mm. Yeah, and that's what you get when you leave Annalise Clinic is that knowing of, of yourself. Yeah. Or even a little piece, you know, because that yeah. never that's the beauty of orthobionomy. Yeah. Orthobionomy is a body work, right? Mm that is energetic, that is structural, that is it's about meeting people where they're at and listening to what is that body telling you. That's why orthobionomy has been such a, a, um, a precious part of my job. I already had the intuitive staff. Orthobionomy gave me structure because yeah. I'm an airhead, because I'm an air sign. So I've spent a lot of time out in the ethers and, you know, I can remember it. <laughs> In 2020, it probably was, spirit said, you know, you have to make a decision. You're going to get in your body or we're nicking you off. And I went, okay. (laughs) Out in the back lawn. And I slept in the backyard for 18 months just to get grounded because I didn't know how to get grounded. That's hilarious. Yeah. I know. It's like, Donnelly, (laughs) off she goes again, sleeping out in the backyard. (laughs) I think she's mad. (laughs) But I, but I, I've had to learn how to be in my body. So mm. now I'm navigating the extremities of that and working out, you know, how to use that. Mm. So yeah, if anybody's in the close proximity to Donna Lee and you want to get in and experience this magic that she brings, like I would highly recommend it because 
just putting it out there. It's not going to last forever. She's not going to be doing this like this, like she's doing right now yeah. for much longer. And because she wants to level up and help people on a bigger scale than what she's doing right now. Links yeah. are in our link tree and we will also post them in the show notes. Yes. And can I just add, please don't think one treatment is the be all to end all, you mm. know. I've worked with a lot of people for a lot of years and watching that evolution in them, getting them to understand how their body works, what their body needs, that's, you know, it's not a, and and it's not because I'm needing to make money. It's not a one. It's like your coaching. It's like your paintings. You don't just make a painting in a day, do you? No. No. It's a whole journey of, you know, meditation and thought and research and skill. Same with Prue. Yeah. Each of your clients. Time commitment, you know. Yeah. As well. Mm. Yeah, no one comes to me for one session. <laughs> no. It's usually six months actually now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So absolutely. Jump on. Remember, you don't even need to be in close proximity. Donna Lee does things over Zoom. She does things over the telephone, text message, you know, the, the, the power of Donnelly's intuition and connectiveness is not relevant to space and time. So that is not an excuse that you need to use. <laughs> uh, oh, get, gosh. get onto the magic, get onto some, some of the magic that she's offering and just hearing the backstory and, seeing how damn determined you are, you know, now that you're, because you are starting to pivot pivot, and it's going, it's not going to happen slowly. It's going to happen fast. Mm. So pay attention, people pay attention and yeah, follow along on the journey because it's going to be a mad old ride. <laughs> and, we're, and we are traveling this. We are a triad, which is a sacred symbol. We are traveling this together. So sometimes there's a pull by Prue and we get kind of dragged and, you know, sometimes there's a, a retraction. So we're, it's so awesome that we have this space and we're doing this with you. Mm. We're lead, we're, yeah, we're leading the way we're out here with this podcast, but I'm telling you, the universe is amazingly, incredibly changing and that's why we need to support each other in all of these aspects. You know, you need to have art in your life. You need to have coaching. You need to have healing. And it all blends together. It does, absolutely, which is why we, yeah, are the triad right now. Mm. Incredible. It's been incredible listening to your story. I just wanted to have so much more information about so many things, but it was just great to let you just speak and get your story out. And I feel like we, yeah, we've had like a touch of all of Donna Lee throughout your life in that story. So thanks for sharing. That was massive. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you, Tanya. <laughs> she was the one that said, you're going to be a special guest. Like, oh. yeah. <laughs> so incredible. Yeah, so much to offer. And I'm sure plenty of people now know you a little bit more, just like mm -hmm. I do. Thank <laughs> you. Okay, that's it. We'll call it a wrap. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you so much for being part of this Soul Sister conversation. It would mean the world to us if you like and share this podcast with your own Soul Sisters. 
follow the show so you don't miss an episode. And if you are so inspired, leave a review. All suggestions and questions are welcome and you can drop them in the Facebook group. Thank you, beautiful souls.